Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Two Developers Down Under. I am joined yet again by the bewilderingly bitter Kai Koenig. How are you doing today, Kai? I'm doing fine, and I'm not bitter at all. You're not bitter? You strike me as a very bitter person. No, I'm not. I can be occasionally, you know, when I'm really angry and when I have my... My five minutes of Twitter ranting, that's fine. Uh-huh. But, you know, uh-huh. besides that, I'm actually a quite friendly, normal person, I would say. With a high degree of cynicism. <laughs> Maybe, sometimes. <laughs> now, if we go into uh, our normal shenanigans, uh, what interesting things have you found that have happened today? I've got two. One is, in 1877, Thomas Edison demonstrated his phonograph for the first time. Oh, that's really cool. cool. And in 1972, Atari um, announced the release of Pong, which you know some of our oh. older listeners might remember too. It's one of the first commercial or the first commercially successful video game, really, where you have like two bats and you're pinging a little ball back and forth between you. Yep. The only one I can come up with today, actually, I, I'm very upset I can't seem to do very well today, is it's the birth of C.S. Lewis today. Oh, okay. Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really it. The only thing I looked at that I found was like Howie Mandel was born today, the TV presenter. I Whoop don't even know who that is, to be honest. Uh, Price is Right. Oh, yeah, see, you know... He does I, like I, X Factor or something else too. I never watched that stuff in, down here or in, in the US or anything like that. I mean, in Germany, there was a yeah. equivalent show to The Price is Right, but it had a Dutch presenter. Sorry, so. no, I got it wrong. Not Price is Right. He does Deal or No Deal. Which is the same problem for me. <laughs> I just <laughs> never watched any of those shows in an English-speaking country when I was young. So there we go. That's... Cool, so I that, win today, clearly. I've got two cool things, and you have, like, one author. Oh, come on. I win. It's kind of cool as an Arnie, though. That's kind of cool. Yeah, two things, one thing, I win. That's my mature response to you. Okay, fine. I can live with that. I win. You can live with that? Yeah. Is that all right? Okay, so, um, What's we're going to talk about something a little controversial. Yeah, I heard Just our fix. topic today is death of cold fusion. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We figured it was it was a um uh, a topic probably worth discussing. I mean, we've we've sort of lightly touched on it in the past when we started talking about what would you do if Cold Fusion died tomorrow, um, and obviously we sort of sort of thinking about that sort of stuff in the past. Um, but there's definitely been quite a few articles discussing uh, the life cycle of Cold Fusion, whether or not it has a future, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, it, so it is not. Sorry? It is not just about um, the life cycle of cold fusion or just some articles. I think there's a whole, I don't know, a change in how people look at the technology going on at the mm-hmm. moment. And um, yeah, I mean that just bubbled up recently through that state of the platform thing Fusion Authority did, and there's a whole you know chain of follow-ups from that, which is quite interesting when you actually read through them. And what different people say or don't say or imply. So I think yeah. we'll get to that in a few minutes. I'm actually wondering. Now, just just so that we probably both have a bit of uh, full disclosure on on our positions in our our um, positions in the community, I should say. Um, just so everyone's aware that we're all coming from. Um, 
both Kai and I used to be ACPs. We're no longer ACPs. Um, I didn't reapply this year. I think you tried to reapply this year. I reapplied, but I was very clear and very direct in my application blurb that yep. I just I'm just interested if there is a way to actually being listened to um, on Adobe Send. If yeah. if being an ACP was just to be a social media replicator, I pretty much said that's not what I'm going to be and that's not what yeah. I'm going to do. And, you know, not surprisingly, basically, they said, yeah, fine. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Which no, is, that's, okay. That's... You know, and yeah. it tells me quite a bit on what Adobe wants from ACPs nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think both of us are still on the, the content advisory board for for CF10. So that's just making sure everything's above board that way. Yeah, we are, and I'm also a um, a user group manager, not for a contribution user group, but for a more general web technology user group. Yeah. Um, and also to add to that full disclosure, um, my company used to be an Adobe partner and is actually becoming a Rilo partner at the moment. Okay. Um, and probably finally, obviously, we both help run. Um, I'm more financially involved with CF Objective ANZ, uh, which 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 had its last um, had its last uh, conference this year, uh, which is something else we can sort of talk about as well. So, where do we where do we want to begin with this? Because it's a it's an interesting topic, and there's there's a variety of angles and a variety of uh, people talking about it. It is. Um, I would maybe we should briefly talk about CF Objective ANZ and why we decided not to run it anymore and yeah. where that decision comes from because I mean that's sort of the easiest entry point for us because that has a very personal and a very direct you know relationship to us basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely fair enough. So so this year for CF Objective was really tough um, to get it together. Uh, still haven't done the entire final budget and looked at my final accounts but it's going to be very close as to, as to the breaking even point. We may end up making a little bit of money. It's definitely been very different um, than previous years, uh, especially the last couple of years where it's actually been very easy uh, to find speakers, to get people, to, uh, to find sponsors. Um, that's been that's been really easy. This year, finding sponsors was definitely much more difficult than the past. We were down by about half our sponsorship money. Um, which was really, yeah, which made things very difficult. Um, people obviously may have noticed there were no sponsor bags. We didn't have a mixer in the evenings, things like that. Um, Kai, you were, I mean, you were, you were deeply involved with trying to find speakers. Obviously, that was, that was quite difficult too. It was definitely more difficult than in the past years. Um, and I think part of the reason was when we approached people who are sort of known in the community and who have presented in the past, some of them basically, you know, turned around and said, yeah, you know what, I'm not, just not really doing much cold fusion anymore. Mm. Um, and, you know, that is absolutely fair enough. Basically, people's, um, people's technology of choice changes over time or you start a new job and, you know, that comes with a new technology or whatever, that's fine. But it's quite an interesting thing to see. You know, at some point when we um, started preparing the conference, I don't know, maybe around April, May something or something like, like that. Um, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, we had one meeting um, where we said, like, do we actually really want to run it? Because it's just such a pain to find speakers. It was tr really difficult it was to being, find sponsors. It was really difficult, right? yeah. So it's like, you know, is, is that maybe a scenario for not running it this year? 
and then um, we decided to go ahead with it, which I think in the end was okay because it, you know, at least it turns out, it turned out to kind of break even. Yeah. Or so you know, roughly it, yeah. just break, like, yeah. you know, plus minus a little bit, but yeah. um, it wasn't a you know tremendous financial loss at least. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, we we ended up, we actually ended up around the same, just under the numbers that we normally have every year. Um, but it was a struggle. Like we really struggled to hit that number. Mm-hmm. The the amount of tickets we sold early on was really low, um, and it slowly sort of caught up towards the end. But we ended up, you know, doing some deals to get a bunch of people in on discounts and. And things like that, just so we could get our numbers up, and that was, it was hard. It was really hard, and it. I think, I think it, basically became a sort of a, a canary in the mine, for showing the decline of cold fusion um, developers and technology use, pretty much in in Australia. Yeah, I mean, um, what I found interesting, I ran a workshop um, the day before the conference um, on J3 yep. Mobile, which has nothing to do with. Confusion, really, and that's fair uh, enough, oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But sure, um, you know, I had two people in my workshop who were not from Melbourne, but from Brisbane and Sydney, who yeah. basically came to Melbourne for my workshop, but yeah. chose to not attend the conference, even though they are both Cold Fusion developers, because there was just not really, from their point of view, enough interesting content. In mm. the in the con in the conference program as such, that they wanted to you know justify paying for a ticket and staying for two more days with all the costs attached to that, you know mm. losing losing work time and stuff like that, which you know fair enough. And when I asked one of them is actually a friend of mine. When I asked her um, what the reason is, was basically she said like she expected a bit more content on CF10. Um, she expected less content that was not really relevant to cold fusion or cfml like mm. you know i know topics like agile and topics like client-side development yeah. and all that stuff and that's all fair enough you know but it's obviously really hard to cater for all those different different interest groups when you try yeah. to put, put well, together also, a conference I mean, program. well first of all uh adobe didn't end up sponsoring us i mean that's a whole other kettle of fish um yeah i want to come back to that actually and when you finish that Okay, but I think, you know, one of the reasons we didn't have a lot of content that was um, CFML-based is because people either didn't propose it or we couldn't get people to come do it because they weren't doing it anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. Mean, we, we often normally had some content that was slightly off the side, which is fine. I mean, that's great. It's sort of, you want that anyway because it's it's interesting and it's relevant. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was definitely, it was, a, like we said, you know, it was a real struggle to get Cold Fusion content. Um, so when you look at you know sponsorship yeah um, so Rylo was platinum sponsor and I yeah, think thank God personally, <laughs> thank you for the Rylo guys I personally think they did an awesome job yeah to be quite frank they did one of the best platinum sponsor jobs of the whole four years of conference that we've done because I my, uh, that's, that's just me you know that's okay, you know, I'm now curious for your reasoning on that that's one that's not necessarily you know what what your opinion has to be basically my reasoning for that is that because mark drew was actually really present he's a very nice approachable guy and Mm -hmm. they you know in the way they presented themselves 
was very much non-corporate and non-blurb. It was all about the technology and all about what they are doing from a technology point of view. And my yeah. feeling is people appreciated that. Whenever we had Adobe being platinum sponsor, and I don't want to diss Adobe, right? But there was always, there is always when Adobe sponsors an event, that underlying theme of corporate messaging that is going out there. Mm. And I will say this year, there was definitely a vibe of, yes, we're using Rilo. We've moved to Rilo. We've taken this and we've gone over to Rilo. Yeah. I think Adobe has year. done itself a massive, massive misservice by not sponsoring CF Objective ANZ this year because everyone I spoke to after CF Objective was highly keen on giving Rilo a go. Yeah, and or was already doing it. Or is already doing that. Yeah. It's, there's a massive shift, at least in Australia and New Zealand, going on at the moment where people say, you know what, Adobe doesn't seem to be interested in our market, in our community, in anything. Yeah. We just give the alternative CFML server a try. And that is a very, very interesting thing, and it's a very dangerous thing for Adobe, basically. Well, if you combine that with the licensing changes that have come around in CF10, which can make it a lot more expensive for people, depending on what it is they're doing. Um, like, well, you know, CF10... Uh, look, I'll put it on the table. CF10 doesn't have the, the most compelling features in the world, I don't think. I really don't think it does. Um, you know... It, Combine that with, you know, a lack of sponsorship down here and people are just going to go, well, why, why would I bother? I might as well invest the time now to move across to Rilo. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, and I totally agree with you from a technical point of view. The CF10 release mm. is, yeah, it's a release, basically. Yeah, but it's got some cool stuff in it, but yeah. I don't think it's anything incredibly innovative or groundbreaking. Yeah, you know, and pretty much none of my clients that I regularly work with have upgraded to CF10. Well, we, we asked the question when we were at the conference, who's upgraded to CF10? And in a room full of, what, 50 to 70 people, two hands went up? Yeah. Two. So, I mean, yeah, that is clearly telling, basically. I don't know. I mean, you know, from, from that point of view, at this stage, basically, I personally rather see a future for CFML as a platform and as a language in what Rilo is doing than what Adobe is doing. That's, mm. that's me, and I'm very honest about that. I, no, I don't have any motivation to hide that. Yeah, it's yeah. just what it is. Yeah, yeah I, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, oh, that was very polite. I don't necessarily disagree. Does it mean you agree? Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm using the good old Australian double negative. I don't think it's not a bad idea. Um, no, I, look, I, I kind of have... This is, like, I don't... Yeah, look, I think... I think Rilo's doing an excellent job in what they're doing. Um, I think they've still got some issues they need to sort out. Uh, oh, absolutely. The yeah. number of committers they have, um, which I've been talking about for a long time. Um, but I think they're making the right moves in a lot of the ways. Um, I think they're they're doing the right thing by the community in a lot of ways. I think that's all that's all really good stuff. And I think I think they're looking to innovate in some of the right ways. Yeah. I also disagree with them on some of their strategy on innovation as well, but that's more of a personal thing. Um, there's some stuff I think I'd like to see them do around sort of Maven support and, and some of the more uh, embedded features. But um, that's that's really sort of nitpicky probably more than anything else. But I think I think they're doing the right thing that way. Um, I guess, and, and this is sort of coming back to the topic at hand of what we're talking about, I mean, overall, 
um, I mean, I hate using the word death of cold fusion. I hate, I hate using the word death because I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what technology you're talking about. You're never going to get rid of it entirely. No, yeah, I mean, so cobalt, like, cobalt is still yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the usual Cobalt's still around. That's, that's great. Um, but I guess, I guess I almost come at it from this perspective. If you were a new student coming out of uni, looking to, to step into the world of whether web development or programming doesn't really matter, would you would you advise somebody to learn Cold Fusion? And I have to say I wouldn't. It I think it depends on the job, right? So I, I'm pretty sure that you know we both agree that technologies come and go in cycles, right? Yeah. And that's just the nature of things. So there is that, you know, there's a nice graph, basically. You've got that initial yeah. massive hype before technology even gets adopted. And then it declines and people figure out what they really can do with it. And then it yep. steadily inclines after after a trough and people put it into production systems and into corporate solutions and blah, blah, blah. Yep. And at yep. some yep. point yep. it declines yep. again. And Cold Fusion is clearly on a declining path. I, not, think, so. I think we I can mean, both agree on that. Yeah, I mean... I would probably say at this point, I would even broader it. I would say CFML is on a declining path yeah. because a lot of people and, don't know yet about the differences between Cold Fusion and Rilo and CFML and yeah. that they are not necessarily the same things. And a lot of people don't even know that Rilo as an open source solution exists. I think, and I just, I just wanted to say as well, because I'm sure we're going to upset some people with this podcast. I think there's a lot of people out there trying to do the right things and successfully trying to do the right things to try and build some more life into CF. Um, and so, like, if that's what you're trying to do, like, mad props to you and, and seriously, like, good efforts. Um, I I personally am not going to see it as – I don't think it's going to be particularly successful. And that's someone who spent a very large part of their career pushing and advocating CF. Uh, but I just want to put that out there. It's like, like, yeah, good on you. Like, seriously, good on you. There's some really good people out there trying to do really good things. Yeah, I would agree. It's It's definitely useful – um, is if if it, if it I'm, like, I'm, I'm not sure if, it, if, if, if you're if you're a new if you've got someone who's just coming out of uni and they're like I want to start doing some web development what language should I learn are you going to tell them I want you to learn CF I mean unless specifically they're like you're like I have a job for you and it's in this place and they do CF there yeah I mean, of that, that is obviously but another scenario but <laughs> the question is what would you suggest someone to learn right because. I agree with you. I would probably not not say you know learn CFML. That's the most you know the the best choice for your career from now on. If you're yeah. 21 and come out of uni, that's just not realistic to be honest. But I need to raise the question then: Is it actually a good recommendation to make or a good idea to make any platform specific recommendation like learn Rails yeah. or learn this or learn that? I would I I'd, I'd be saying like I'd, I'd basically look at um, sort of. I mean, again, it, it is very dependent on the area you live in and and the stuff you've got going on. But if you look at, I mean, you look at the penetration of Python, you look at the penetration of Ruby, you look at the um, you look at the excitement around Node.js and and the way that's really growing as well. And there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, uh, you know, it's Node.js, blah, blah blah, it's a web server. Look, quite frankly, there's a lot of there's a lot of really smart people who hate Node.js, but there's a lot of really smart people who really like it. Um, which means there's something there. Oh, it, I think I mean, Node.js so, particularly is one of those technologies where if you use it in the right way for the right type of application, it can be great. Yeah. 
but a yeah. lot of people would just use it for any yeah. random stuff yeah. because they want to write they want to cool. write javascript yeah. on the back end because that's the only thing they know and that's the wrong choice basically you know yeah but there's there's clearly something there in terms of being able to do cool stuff with it and it, if if it was absolutely terrible no one would use it and it wouldn't nearly have the popularity it has now and the momentum yeah. that it has now um so to stand back and poo-poo it just because it's it's javascript on server side and you have to write a web server and all that other bollocks quite frankly um i think is i think is quite short-sighted um so you know you look at I, i'd look at i'd almost look at sort of uh, yeah, Python, Ruby. I, I'd almost particularly look at Python, actually, as much as that language. I don't particularly understand the popularity of it. Actually, it's not true. I understand the popularity of it. Um, it just doesn't really grok with me in the way I like to write code. That's probably more specific. Um, because looking at the number of startups and things like that where people are using Python is just enormous. Like it's just it's just huge. Yeah, um, I think Python so is a very Python is a very versatile language. Um, yeah, that can do a lot of different things. I think that's one of its strengths, really. Yeah, I mean, would I push someone towards Rails? Probably not, because I'm seeing a lot of people kind of push back on it a little bit, um, just mainly because of its monolithic nature, mm-hmm. um, which is something we've sort of talked about with CF before, which I think is, is one of the... I think people are starting to move away from the huge monolithic platform, which is kind of what Rails is, which is, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people sort of talk about Rails as the J2EE of Ruby, <laughs> seeing that happening. Yep. Uh, which I think is, you know, and, and I've got no personal experience with Rails, but that's sort of what I've been hearing around the traps. Um, and and people are moving away from that monolithic nature of, of building web apps because they're hard to scale. You know, if you've got, if you've got it, you can do it. I mean, it's obviously possible. You look at, for example, look at what NASA did with the Rilo platform. You know, we know that it can scale, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people who are building larger scale apps or apps that they want to be able to to blow out becoming a lot more smaller components stuff they can you know take individual chunks of and put behind load balances and then scale those pieces out individually and have a lot more flexibility in how that sort of stuff happens so having the one server to rule them so to speak you know where it does scheduling and it does everything all under one box where a scheduled task can bring down your whole app i think you know people are really trying to step away from that now yeah i would agree with that um but coming back to that, you know, what would you recommend a student? Yeah. I, I would probably struggle to recommend anything specifically. I would rather, um, I would rather want to get them, you know, to um, learn different methodologies instead of different technologies. You know, they should actually, you know. Well, they have to start with a language. I mean, they have to yeah. Somewhere. I mean. <sighs> Wouldn't you argue that they should have learned a language or, you know, two languages in uni already in the first place? Probably. But, I mean, I came out of uni learning Java, I mean... Which is, you know, still a good language to know, to be honest. Yeah. Even if you even yeah, if you come is. out of uni today, you know, it's quite versatile. And you can, you know, if you're keen on it's the... stepping stone. Yeah, and if, you, if you're keen on Java Enterprise, you can even, you know, do that if you is, want to. Is with anyone it. really keen on Java Enterprise? <laughs> yeah, there are a few people who are really passionate about that. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah, fair enough. That's true. That's fair enough. You can get stuff done. There's no oh. question about that. But, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, Rails is, I think it's kind of reached its climax or it's very close to reaching oh, its climax I but think. the ruby community is still enormous yeah I, and that's the thing and, you know i would yeah. I, you need to differentiate between ruby and rails really oh totally so ruby as a language is very interesting i think you know recommending people to look into python is 
in general a good idea. Also recommending people to look into something that is more functional or like hybrid functional, something like, um, like I know Scala, for example. Haskell's making a comeback. You can't say that it's not. Yeah, it is, but it's still not really widespread. <laughs> it's, very it's very niche. You know, it's, it's like if, if you come out of uni and you learn Haskell just for the sake of learning a language, yeah. I would probably argue that's not really yeah, a big not be. <laughs> big win yeah. for landing a job, right? Yeah. Um. You know, but yeah. In in general, I agree. You know, CFML is not necessarily the first language that um yeah. I would recommend someone to learn. The interesting thing, though, is. You know, when my clients in Australia um, try to hire someone, it's really difficult to find people who have confusion skills, right? Yeah. So what they basically started to do is they hire graduates and we actually teach them confusion. And yeah, we that teach, works. we teach, I'm not, I mean, CFML is a language. And we teach it to them in a way, you know, how we want them to use it. So we mm. don't go through that whole stupid, like, you know, Hey, we do like CF output and we do a loop over a query and like, you know, the yeah. basic things in a, like in a course, we must just put them in a project and get them to, you know, work with us on some actual code. And then they pick up CFML as a language. And because we use a bunch of different frameworks, it is actually um, a reasonably nice experience to code um, in in that application that we are building, basically. And we use, yeah. I mean, they, they can basically get as an IDE whatever they want. And I'll basically push pretty much everyone who starts there and who's who's some sort of you know unhappy with their current IDE um, to use IntelliJ, and people love it. It's like oh my god, you know, it's so awesome that you can do that. And I was recently giving a training um, at a big university here in New Zealand, which was like a three-day custom course, and we did like you know a bit of advanced mm. CFML and jQuery and jQuery Mobile, mm. and um, I showed them IntelliJ. And it's like, you know, three of the six people in that course pretty much went to their manager right away and said, we need to buy this. Yeah, you know, because it's, it makes it so much nicer to code CFML. In. But I mean, that's, you know, going away from yeah. the topic at hand, really. But, but what, I was, I think, what I was going to I mean, say is, yeah. you know, like training people to do a job, that's from what I can see the way how you get code fusion or CFML skills out there nowadays. I think, yeah, I mean, but... What was I going to say? I, I, I don't, I, I question, I know there's a lot of people, there's a few people, I'm not going to say there's a lot, there's, I know people out there who are doing that. I wonder how many companies are willing to do that because that's a fairly big investment, I think. It is, but when you, you know, on the other hand, think about, you know, you have a massive app that has been built over the last 10, 15 that's, years. That's, yeah, you know, that's, what that's you, where you kind of get stuck. What you, yeah. if, it's not necessarily really being stuck, you know, but it's well, like... Well, it is. Well, I mean, it's not like you can... The only other option is a rewrite in another language. Yeah, which exactly. Is, or, which you can just hemorrhage money on. Or, I mean, but a, you might just decide that's the way to go. Yeah, or, a, you know, a partial rewrite or doing new yeah. things in a new language or whatever. I mean, there are tons of, kind of options. kind of where, where we're sort of at, but, you know, what we're doing. You know, at, but, the yeah, end of the, at the end of the day, what those clients basically find is that the CFML platform works really well for them and they, it works really well for what they are doing and for how yeah, they want to do is things. Is it working right? really well because that's what they know? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Could well be, you know. Yeah, totally. Because yeah, um, i got to be frank. I mean, there's this, there's this whole... There's this, there's this thing I've noticed and I've seen it a lot and I've seen it myself even. Like... When you first start doing CFML, you have it beaten into your head that CFML has the best return on investment in terms of development time and speed. 
like it gets beaten mm. into your head like it's like it's like mantra it's like it is like the gospel you know like that is that is the one true law of cold fusion well i mean that was definitely the case like in the late 90s and early 2000s yeah, exactly. but it's not necessarily the case anymore i mean everyone should know that right but i don't think people do i really don't think people do because the amount of times I've heard things where they're like, you know, oh, well, you know, you should be using, like, when people complain about, like, CF not being able, not being a good fit for something or stuff like that, it always comes back to, well, you know, the return on investment, you know, if you don't mind paying for it, you know, the, the overall return on investment's better and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I I actually think that the, the the argument that CF has the best return on investment in development time is now, yeah, it's now a fallacy. And I think people should start to realize that, that, if you take a good long look at the free and open source stuff that's out there, um, or even necessarily the non-free stuff, I mean, Microsoft's .NET platform's definitely got some good stuff in it. Yeah. You know, in terms of in terms of syntax, there's definitely some better languages out there for return on investment that allow you to get things done faster. Um, I'll agree that CF bundles stuff up nicely for you. There's a lot of services integrated, but it's not impossible, you know, to get similar stuff happening, and especially a lot of the services you don't use and don't care about, then who cares? Um, I mean, I know personally looking into the Ruby ecosystem, I mean, there are that many Ruby developers out there that there's that many tools you can take advantage of. Suddenly it's just like, well, I can kind of hook this up myself without too much difficulty. And suddenly I've got everything I've ever needed with a syntax that I find a lot nicer and a hell of a lot smaller. Like, because there's also such a large community, finding that, like, talking to people who are fantastic programmers is so much easier to find. That suddenly it's not this, you know, group of 20 or 50 people. It's this, you know, like, it's it's enormous. Like, suddenly, um, I mean, from a personal perspective, like, I can, I, I hate to say this, but it's, like, um, like, I know that sort of, you know, the speaking that I've done and, and the open source stuff I've done, there's probably a lot of people who necessarily look up to me and go, oh, yep, he's, like, up there with the Fusion programmers and whatnot, with, and a certain, you know, that sort of upper echelon of people who are known at conferences and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But and, and, and that's great, and I, and I appreciate that. But walking into, say, the Ruby community, it's like, no, he's not anything special. He's just another decent d- programmer. You know, there's that many of them that it's like, it's not, it's, it's not anything special anymore, you know. You, and, I know and exactly what you mean. Yeah. Too. That makes a huge difference, too, on return on investment as well, because you have such a pool of people that you can go to and even just talk things through and who are writing really interesting stuff. Um, the economy of scale is, is I think, a huge, huge, huge factor um, in a return on investment. I actually think that's true of, of a technology because the momentum's there and the tools are there and people are building stuff that's awesome. And there's stuff, there's, there are people building stuff for CF. That's, that's definitely the case. But I, don't, like, I struggle to see how they can catch up with the number of people who are writing stuff on other platforms or even on smaller platforms that have huge momentum because of the excitement built around it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, when you, I had the same feeling when I walked into the closure community and you know went yeah, to my I mean, first closure closure conference, and I look at what all those people are doing. I think like, oh my fucking god, you know, this is like yeah, because there's a lot of really smart people doing closure. They're really yeah. excited about it and they're really motivated. And that's that's hard. Like that's. I, like I'm watching, like this is very, a classic example. Like I'm watching um, on the Ryler list, uh, Billy Craven. So I'm gonna make sure I get this right. Is started doing stuff with Vagrant and Chef, 
Um, yeah, I've seen that cool. thread actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is cool. Like, if anyone's looked at it, Vagrant's a tool for getting uh, to use VirtualBox VMware. Basically, being able to say, you know, here's here, I want to I want to write some scripts, and um, if I'm a new developer on my team, I can run Vagrant, and it builds up build up a VM that's basically a copy of your environment without having to shift around massive gigabyte VMs to everyone. It's something I've done. Um, something to continue to do, um, and also Chef, which is a um, how do I explain Chef in one line? It's it's a way of building out uh, infrastructure. It's infrastructure as code. So you write your code, and that ends up going up and setting up your servers or um, setting up setting up assets on servers and, and getting things set up. So if you have a whole infrastructure set up and that whole infrastructure goes down, you can run your Chef's you know Chef code on a completely other server and that gets that set up. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's cool. The only thing is in the other communities I've looked at, I'm, I'm more involved these days in the Ruby community, which I've talked about before. Like that's the stuff is 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 much more commonplace. Like now we're like CF's like, oh yeah, we just found it. That's cool. Like Billy's like one guy who's found it. You know, you step in the Ruby community and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah we use Chef or Ansible or Puppet or take your pick. Yeah, like why would you do it any other way? And so because they've got so many more people, and therefore so many more really smart developers and even so many more intermediates and so on. Those sort of tools propagate so much faster as well, and those sort of practices, I think, propagate so much faster. Um, and that again, you know, comes back to return on investment, which I think is really high. Yeah, I agree with that so far. I mean, that makes makes perfect sense to me. And you're you're right, basically. The other question then is, um, what people always bring up when they talk about their technology use, or you know, like um, working with a certain technology, is what they can achieve you know, in terms of earnings through a job or yeah. in terms of contracting rates or whatever. And, um, you know, that brings up an interesting question because a few people would argue and would say, like, you know, if you, I don't know, jump into that big pool of .NET developers or Ruby developers or Rails developers or whatever, you know, mm. you basically end up just being one of hundred thousands and yeah. you can, you know, maybe achieve, a, I don't know, an hourly rate of $50 instead of, like, $90 for CFML work. I think that's so dependent on what city you live in. I would agree with that. But, you know, that's a very common argument I hear quite that often is. where people say, I like, see, you know, why, yeah. why would I do that? I can rather stay in my niche and, you know, make more money. Um, yeah. Hey, look, if that's working for you, rock it. Like, who, yeah, who am I to say go out and take a, take a job that's got more money? Um, and and if, you can, if you can continue doing that into forever man rock that boat as far as you can go like seriously like that's great um you know like but the reason actually let me let me sort of flip this on its head the reason i think we want to talk about this is because we're worried you know um i mean i've seen i've seen around the the around the community um both personally and, and I'm, I'm actually looking at some comments on sean caulfield's post that he wrote about CFML too little too late and his personal view on the decline of CF. And what happens is, is it's kind of like you watch the community go, whoa, dude, don't say bad things. You know, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? I mean, one point, I mean, it sort of descended into profanity on one point. Uh, one guy was a lot, a lot more polite about it. But you get that whole sort of thing where it's like, don't say bad things about the coffee community. Like, don't do it. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And I think I think that's really the wrong approach to take. Absolutely, it really is. I don't know because... if you know people who have haven't read Sean's Sean's blog post. Um, we're going to we're going to link it into into the yeah. show notes. It is actually a really 
well written and well oh, thought yeah. post from my point of view. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. He's with not that he's not he bashing Adobe. He's not bashing CFML or Rylo yeah. or whatever. He basically just does a quite agnostic stock take, and he says like, you know, that's where CFML is. That's what the community looks like from my point of view. Yeah, and you know, like, and what are you going to do about your career? Exactly. What is your future? Point. Basically, you know, you can yeah. actually stay in here, or you can start looking at some other technologies, yeah. or you can do nothing. It's up to you. But you know, just be aware that something is going on here, and you might not actually have noticed that yet. Potentially, yeah. right? A storm is coming. A storm is coming. Exactly. <laughs> you can you can relate that back to whichever genre of movie or TV show you like, or books if you if you want to go back far enough. But you know, and and but, you know, like some, yeah, I think yeah, I some think, of the comment that... some of the commenters have actually, like I said, like you know, left profanities where they accuse him of you know, like you're biased. Trying to ruin you're, the community. Yeah, and... you're biased against Adobe. Your arguments are invalid. Blah blah blah. It's just like you know, ridiculous. I think and, it's not. I mean, if. If he didn't care, and if we didn't care, we wouldn't talk about it. Exactly. Um, so, and and if we didn't want to warn people and say, look, if if you think that you know, if you think that you can ride the CFML train for as long as the rest of your career goes, I think that's great for you. That's cool. But I think you need to really look at what's going on and take some stock take and say, okay, maybe I need to hedge my bets a little. Maybe I do need to learn another language. Maybe I look look at other things. Maybe it is time to transfer to something new. I don't know. Um, realistically. You know, I mean, that's, that's what we've said a few times on this podcast in the past. Mm. You should not just work in one technology. That's a bad idea in general, right? Yeah. Because, you know, as we've seen, like, November 2011, Adobe pretty much kills Flex. What do all those Flex developers do nowadays? Well, they ride the Flex, the Apache Flex train for another while, and that's fine. Yeah. And Flex has its place still for certain types of projects. But there were a lot of people who were heavily invested into, you know, doing flex only and being the major flex consultancy companies around and you know those companies will face issues at this stage basically and you know i can just recommend people more and more i mean that was my wake-up moment my wake-up call basically when adobe killed essentially flex yeah yeah something has to change now and um, I started doing more in JavaScript. I started to do Clojure. And that is really interesting stuff. And even if you don't use it, you know, commercially for a start, just get your head around other things. Yeah. You know, that's really important. Be able to talk about other languages. Get a, like, I know, I know personally, I know this, uh, and is, I totally had it in my head, you know, CF. Like, I always, I always looked outside of the world. And I, I mean, I started in the 90s when CF was, was, the return on investment on CF was really quite high and had that beaten into my head. And I definitely had sat for a long time and gone, you know, those guys are doing other things, but CF's better. Like, I just know. Um, you know, and I, and, and it, almost, it almost harkens back when I, you know, sort of take a martial arts analogy where you meet those people in martial arts who are like, my style's the best. You know, I know this because a grandmaster beat some dude in some alley, you know, in like the 1500s. And so I know it's the best mm-hmm. when they've never actually tested it themselves. And, and so do you look at it that way, you know, they've never, they've never tested against any other style. They've never tried it. And it so it boils down to how they do things and all that sort of stuff. But I hadn't, I, I thought I'd kind of looked at other stuff because I'd done some Java stuff, you know, I, and I'd kind of, you know, I know I do a lot of Java integration and all that sort of stuff, but I hadn't, I hadn't really looked. Um, and then I started like sort of a beginning of this year and really started looking at Ruby, looked at a little Python, you know, sort of mucked around with closure, blah, blah, blah. And really still took a proper look at what was out there and suddenly went, whoa, 
like my eyes opened and I went, okay, okay, there's some, there's there's times when you have to stand back and go, you know what? If there's a hell of a lot of people doing a certain thing, there's something there to say this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to really like, you know, and maybe 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 the answer to the whole thing is you'll go, yeah, there's something there, but what I'm doing right now is cool. Well, that's fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, don't. But but ask these questions. Like really, don't beat down on people who are like, who are saying, yeah, maybe the co- the death of confusion is coming, because maybe that's the one thing that's going to turn somebody around and make something really cool happen. Um, don't and and don't beat down on those people because they might be the guy that you finally turn around to in a, in a couple of years and go, thank you, thank you for opening my eyes to have a look, because if I'd stayed where I was and you know CF really does decline, I would have a job. And I, I have no skills that are that are marketable, you know. Or I've got to take six months, or two months, or three months, or whatever to 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 train myself up, back up another technology and go take a junior position when I've been a senior developer for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. I mean, so to so to kind of turn it around on its head, maybe a little like how if 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 CFML wanted to come out of what we think is its decline, um, there's been a lot of discussion around what what they think, uh, what people think. Um, some people have discussed things like education. Some people have discussed things um, like training camps and uh, marketing efforts. What do you think would really kind of pull CFML up out of the ground, so to speak? Um, it's hard to say, really. Um, I think one... As your own personal opinion, my, obviously. My, my, yeah, my, my personal opinion is that I would put a lot of hope into what Rilo is doing and into... Rilo as a technology becoming more visible in the mm-hmm. in the cold fusion space. Let's call it that way because there is a perception problem still, right? There is a perception problem that a lot of people out there, when you say cold fusion, oh, yeah. they basically mean Adobe or they think Adobe cold fusion. Is it still out there? And then you explain, well, there is Adobe's cold fusion and there is Rilo, which is another CFML server. Um, you know, there are different things you can do basically they are really surprised and even hardcore cold fusion developers doing adobe cold fusion for the last 10 years sometimes have no idea that there is anything else out there besides adobe cold fusion and that's a problem in its own right but i would hope that rilo becoming more visible and being out there with a new new release is actually going to turn some heads because unfortunately i can't really see much coming out of Adobe at this stage. So there is obviously a bunch of community efforts, right? There is LearnCF, the um, CF course that has been initiated by Simon Free with a bunch of people. Um, It is really cool. And I think it's really useful. Is it going to turn the tide? No, it's not. It's just one stepping stone, basically. Um, The problem is that the perception is Adobe Cold Fusion is the only and main implementation. And even though Adobe is releasing new versions of Cold Fusion, assumingly after Cold Fusion 10, mm. um, there, I think there is kind of the impression that Adobe is pretty much, I say it as I think as, as I think it is, you know, they're milking the technology. Yeah, I'd agree with They you. are releasing a few new versions, you know, every 18 months. They sell yeah. it. It's an upgrade business. Basically, they do that as long and as they can. license. 
they do that as long as they can, and yeah. that's going to be it. There's no real massive innovation on I this think... point coming from Adobe, and that's yeah, quite I mean, sad because the Adobe, yeah. from what I can see, the the development team um, and Rakshith as a product manager, they are really going doing a good job. And, I and they're th- nice guys. And they're nice guys, and I think they are actually willing to do the right thing. I think the problem to look at is in higher management of the particular business unit, Confusion is in there now, and um, even potentially up higher in Adobe's corporate HQ management. There, there are just a bunch of people who um, have no interest and who want to do that milking thing, and that's being pushed down further, further down the food chain. At the end of the day, that's what. Yeah, I, that's how I see it, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, no, I can understand that. And uh, to Adobe, the first thing Adobe would have to do to actually help turn the tide would be a commitment to Confusion and make it like an A-class product. You know, that it's basically yeah, it's not... on their front page that they actually put resources into it. Yeah. That. But Adobe now is like it's a tools company. I mean, that's 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 where it's focusing its efforts. It is, and that's that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm not product. saying they will do that. I'm yeah. I'm just saying like that's what they would need to do to get a process started. You know, yeah. all those little efforts, like hey, we provide like a free Cold Fusion license for students or for educators and universities, mm. or we have this Cold Fusion course. You know, like done by the community. They are all little things. Mm. But too few people know about those things in the first place, right? I look. I I'll be honest. I look. I agree with what you're saying. A lot of it, but I think, and I and I actually agree with your perspective that I think in, in some ways rather is the future. But I think um, I think it almost comes down to the language, um, and I think it it also comes down to sort of CFML's been. I mean. Well, Confusion, the Adobe Confusion engine, has been a platform that's been written for managers, for developers to use for a long time. There have been efforts in there about um, tools for developers, but it's always been such a huge target to convince the managers that they need to buy this product, that it's definitely been probably, I would say, more of, more of the emphasis. Whereas the open source offerings out there uh, for developers, by developers, you know, we're writing the tools that you want to use so you can use them. And I think that's a really, really big difference. So I think for CFML to really kind of shine once again, I think, you know, it's going to have to be like a serious innovation of the product, something that makes other programmers go, whoa, dude, that's awesome. I didn't, you know, like that's a great thing I can do with the language. That's a great thing I can do with the syntax. Geez, that easy to use. You know, that's really powerful, expressive you know, all that sort of stuff that people get, you know, when they start looking at other languages that are out there. People get excited about that stuff and they want to work with the language. And I think there's so much craft with CF that it can take some, and maybe maybe it can be done, um, but some serious innovation in terms of how the language is used and the tools that are available and all that sort of stuff. Because I think without that, there's no way to get the economy of scale I'm talking about that I'm seeing in other languages and the amount of momentum around that for people to be excited. Like it's sort of, it's almost like a momentum thing. You know, mm. there's enough people out there that are super excited. So they build tools that get other people super excited and it kind of snowballs. Um, and I, on a personal level, I've, I've just, the syntax of CF drives me crazy these days. It does, it drives me crazy. And it seems like such a small thing, but I think it really matters to people. 
um, about how you how expressive you can be and stuff. And you know, there there are small small steps to help with that. But why do I want to go work on something that's got a small step towards what I want when I can actually work with something that does have what I want and stuff I didn't even know I wanted? You know, mm-hmm. um, until I get there and go, oh my god, you know, Closure does that or Ruby does that or no, I can do some amazingly expressive things in Node. You know, you know, and and stuff like that. Like that's that's where I think things need to change because without that you're still working in the same group of developers and while they're all great people and I love the CF community because it's, it's some of the best people I've ever met um, we're small and and you know like you and I know most of the people who do most of the open source work out there yeah and most of the community work like we know them all like I shouldn't be able to say that like I, that shouldn't be something I'm saying like I know all those people you know, I've met them face to face generally. You know, like I should be turning around left, right, and center and being like, "Oh, that who, who's that guy over there? And what what's he doing?" You know, I should say that every week. And that's what that's what builds all that stuff to get that sort of momentum going, so that there isn't slow decline and, and people are excited to step on the technology. And you don't have to train your own people. Um, and that's, I mean, that's again personal point of view, but um, it, it really for a lot of it, it comes down to economy of scale for me. Um, it's been it's been a real eye opener. Yeah, you've got a really valid point, I think. So, but you know, if that innovation has to come from, you know, like one of the server manufacturers, that's really. coming from Rilo. There's no question. Yeah, that's what I, what <laughs> I think you and I are going to agree on that one. What I see as well, you know, I don't see this type of innovation coming from Adobe at this point no. in time. No, I don't. I don't think. Um... I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, again, total personal personal opinion, but I don't think they're interested. I, I really don't. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean, I'd like I'd like to see I'd like to see Rilo do things like step away from like be able to like modularize CF, really step away from that whole monolithic platform, like be able to pick pieces out of it and deploy them with with like existing deployment tools like Maven or, or Gradle or you know, mm-hmm. or maybe not Maven because everyone hates Maven, but you know something that that works really well. You know, having those integrations, and maybe that's just more of an open source. You know, this again, you know, comes back to um, if there was enough, you know, if there was enough of community excited about it, those sort of tools would come probably out anyway. You know, things like that. Like, I'd love to see that. I mean, I've had discussions with people where some people will say that's that's not what the target market of CFML developers wants. I think it's what they should want, but they just don't know it yet. Um, but maybe not. You know, maybe I'm totally off base with that. But things like things like you know, some of the really interesting tools i think we should be targeting like oh. aim for the smart people like aim for the people who are doing cool stuff aim for those people because it's going to trickle down like you know it's going to it's going to trickle down to everyone else who aren't necessarily up to speed on all the, the latest and greatest you know techniques and practices and architectures and, and things like that and but once you do that then it trickles down and everyone starts going wow that's that's something i didn't know i wanted but now i've got it that's amazing that's my opinion Sorry, so, I'll stop rant. No, that's that's fine. I mean, who, you know, how how do you how would you make it trickle down though? You know, like if let's say I think there's a natural progression. Really? You know, um, people get excited by it, so you know, it's it's like anything. You know, I mean, think back, think back before Mark Escher and Bill Shelton started wandering around doing MX Unit and talking about it. TDD wasn't such a big thing, but they started targeting those people. They started going, "Look, we need TDD in the community," and really started pushing it. And now it's. I'm going to say I'm hoping it's much more commonplace. I haven't seen very many places where it's not in effect. So it does. It trickles down the through community. 
Um, but if we had lots of people doing that sort of stuff, then it, it sort of it sort of flows down. You know, if Rilo was like, hey, look, now you can modularize your app and you know build it out this way, and you can deploy it using Chef or or Maven or whatever, or you know, and so you can build out these scalable architectures. And his examples, people might go, oh my god, this is a really nice way of building really scalable stuff without a lot of the the craft that I'd normally use. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, to sort of there's obviously Rilo's a fairly small team, you know. I think they need to fix their build process and be able to allow. Uh, sorry, let me put that a different way. I think they need to make an easier build process for other people to contribute back to. I know that's something I think they've been working on for a long time, but I think they really need to solve that problem to allow other people to help build the platform um, outside of the Rilo community and not just writing CFM, but the writing the Java and the engine. Um, they think that's that's a really necessary step, but. You know, um, but yeah, so I, I'm really excited to see what they're going to come up with. But I, that's that's where I think they're really they're gonna they're gonna struggle with that area. But you know what? I expect you know CFML's not going anywhere, so I expect they'll probably be around for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I can't see it going quickly, right? I mean, that will be if if mm. if it will go, it will be a long, steady decline, yeah, basically. I would right? agree. With so that. we'll look at a bunch of years before. Yeah, it's, and it's know, probably kind of marginalized anyway. Yeah. Who are gonna keep riding the train and probably make a lot of money doing it? I could see that happening, just because there are gonna be fewer and fewer people who are gonna be doing it. So it's kind of like, well, you know, I can I can charge some money to keep doing this because there aren't that many around. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you look at, I want to come back to one thing, right? Like the what you mentioned with Rilo needs to improve the build process, and also you know get more committers on board. Mm. So when you look at the commit history um, on GitHub for the Rilo project, basically. Yeah. One thing that sticks out is that pretty much every commit in the last, uh, what is today, the 29th, in the last week, yeah. has been made by Mika, right? Yeah. So yeah. you could say that's a problem. And, you know, I would agree that is kind of a bit of a problem. But on the other hand, there are a bunch of pull requests that got merged in from other people in that whole stack. So, you know, mm. you know they didn't commit directly, but they contributed to the core and did well, something that's, that's to it. Fine. Right? So yeah. it's not just him coding on it. That's one thing I think is important to notice, even though at the surface it looks a bit like that. It does yeah. look that way. Um, so there are other people contributing to it. In terms of the build process specifically, because that is one thing that really bugs me as well, um, I spoke to the Rilo guys in Germany when I was at CF Camp and also... Um, I had a good chat to to Mark in Melbourne, and actually, their build process on GitHub looks a lot better than when the last time I looked at it. I'll say that I'm just yeah. looking at it right now. It no longer says that you need Java five. No, but still, there is a, there is even another improvement basically. So there is a new build process in the works now that should be that should come out with Rilo four, and I've seen like a an early version or better of that, and that um, you know looked much much better than that's um, great. That's than really anything good. else I've seen before there, basically. With, with, yep. with exactly what you said, you had to install Eclipse and a certain old Java version and then compile the whole thing. It was just not really friendly at all, basically. So I yep. think that is coming along. Good. But then it's good. still the question, like, how do they get people to contribute to the core development, right? And how do they, yep. how do they get people to, to jump over that threshold and that barrier um, from being a consumer 
maybe yeah. because they like it or maybe because it's free or for whatever reason to actually becoming a contributor. And the problem with that is always obviously that 99, 1% rule, right? Like in any community, yeah. 90% are quiet, 9% say something and 1% actually contributes back or helps to run the community. And how do you get those people on board and how do you find those people? Yeah. And what I see happening more and more, I might be totally wrong with that, but that's my observation. You see a lot of good CFML or Cold Fusion developers either moving to other technologies or mm. looking into other technologies or moving to Rylo. Yeah. And yeah. what that brings up then is if we look at that whole state of affairs in, I don't know, another year or two, what will what will the cold, the Adobe Cold Fusion community look like at that point? And that's uh, a quite interesting, uh, interesting. point, right? That's interesting. Um, for example, um, a while ago, I read a blog post from uh, someone, I forgot which which blog it was, where, where the author actually pretty much said a very similar thing you know they moved out of cold fusion doing some other stuff also you know doing rilo as well mm. and um i know moved moved the, i think that the author moved into the rails or groovy community as well and did some yeah. other stuff there and basically the prediction of that guy was um you know maybe in a few years time rilo is sort of the you know the the CFML place where all the advanced people hang out and, mm. you know, like all the intermediate users and corporate nine to five developers without any negative meaning. Um, and like beginners, they actually do Adobe Cold Fusion, you know, and because they don't know better, better in quotes. And I don't know. Or don't I mean, different maybe. Or don't but, yeah. different. But you know, you know what I mean? Like basically you see a lot of, Older, ex more experienced, more advanced Cold Fusion developers move away from Cold Fusion and into mm. other platforms and to Rylo because they feel that's the right thing to do. I mean, and you know, like big government organizations, basically, for example, in the US, yeah. who are running Cold Fusion since Cold Fusion 2, they will continue to run Cold Fusion. And you know, yeah. those developers will continue to work with Adobe Cold Fusion. Um, and they have yeah. no they have no option to move into a platform that is maybe more i don't know more not more advanced necessarily but more innovative yeah but i think also i mean you look at um what's becoming an increasingly virtualized environment where infrastructure as a service and platform as a service becomes almost the norm having something you have to pay licenses for as you scale is incredibly frustrating yeah uh, i would agree with that yeah and, and, and especially working for businesses where what you want is a sudden influx of traffic. That's what you want. You want to be able to go, bam, let's turn on 15 more servers because we, we've got that much traffic and that means our business is doing well. Having to go, hey, wait a minute, before you turn those servers on, can I make a phone call and buy some more licenses? That's like, that's not cool. Yeah, um, I would. And, that's, and I think that's increasingly the direction that, that we'll see newer architectures and newer systems and new platforms be built upon yeah i would and unfortunately agree with that yeah but that's where i think that rilo needs to look at, at being able to modularize stuff and, and split it out and be an easy install in that way that you know you can you can script it or you can shift it up to like 
you know, I mean, you can, you can run Rilo on like, uh, don't know if you can run, you can probably run it on Heroku. I know people have done it on JMeter, like some of those, those platforms that are service. Um, you know, I, you know, you'd want it to be scriptable with the tools like Chef, like um, infrastructure as code sort of stuff. Uh, DevOps is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. That sort of stuff. Like you want that, but it's a big download. I mean, it's like 30 or 40 meg. I mean, it's not, it's not small. You could, you could hook it up. You know, it's not, it's not definitely not impossible. Um, couldn't do it with Adobe CF, like just the way it installs. It's just a nightmare. I mean, you could do WAR files. You'd have to. That's the only way you could do it. Um, but it's huge. I mean, it's enormous. And that, and that becomes a bit of an issue in and of itself. So, you know, in that sort of environment where that sort of stuff becomes commonplace, and I think, you know, maybe it's not as commonplace. It's obviously not commonplace in the CFML community, but I think it's definitely more commonplace in a lot of other environments out there. Um, that's, that's, the sort of, that's the sort of market they should be pushing towards. I had a point, I forgot what it was. It doesn't matter. But, you know, I, I totally get your point. You're absolutely right. You know, it's, it has to go out into that space, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, if you're not, yeah, if that's, that's sort of, I think that's sort of the direction that things are going to kind of push towards. So, I mean, I guess the takeaway from all this stuff is, is you know, our, our observances are leading us towards the, the direction that, yeah, look, the, the community of CFML is, is slowly declining and slowly shrinking. Um, and that's, that's been our observances. But I think the takeaway from here is, is almost the same takeaway that we've had, that we've pushed, that a lot of other people have pushed out there at, at, that, you know, like take note, have a look at your surroundings and then really take a good proper look at what's out there. And even if you just go, you know what, that's not for me right now. The stuff that you'll learn doing that and the community and the people you'll find, I think you'll, will be an enormous learning experience and set you up in case, you know, God forbid what happens. You know, you want to be prepared. Yeah, I, I mean, just to, you know, point that out again, I don't think Cold Fusion or CFML is dying anytime soon at all, really. Yeah, it's not like, like you're going to lose your job tomorrow. Um, but you, I think, need to clearly be aware that things are changing and that you need to yeah. be nowadays in general as yeah. a web developer you need to be more versatile in what your skills are you know it's a bad idea to sell yourself as a cold fusion developer you need to sell yourself as a web developer you know or back-end web developer or maybe a client-side web developer or maybe both whatever but you know whatever. no yeah. other things but cold fusion and cfml no yeah. different technologies don't be and, limited by your language yeah exactly that is really, really the important thing I would like to take people, or to get people to take from that. Yeah, no. And and the amount of tools and stuff that are out there in other languages that you can then take advantage of once you've kind of got a bit of a polyglot sort of purview of the world, it's ridiculous. Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, you're suddenly going to realize the pool of CF developers out there and, and the CF community is such a small drop in the ocean compared to the wider programming community. Yeah. I agree. Such a small drop. It's, it almost took my breath away when I finally realized how small we really are. That I went, wow, that's, that's a big difference. Um, and, and suddenly it's like, wow, I've got all this other stuff that's, that's at my hands that I can do. Just because I've taken a step outside of my normal box and gone, what, what can I do? Um, and it allows you to do some really cool stuff, really. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Cool. All righty. I mean, that's, like I said, the message we want people to take away from that. Yeah. Cool. Should we um, finish here because we are already talking for about an hour? Okay. Cool. That, that, was, was, nowhere, that was nowhere near as ranty as I thought it was going to be. No, I mean, it's like a, just a, you know, like 
I would call it like a, a reasonable stock take of where the cold fusion yeah. community is, you know, and people need to be aware of their opportunities and their ways forward from here, basically. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, if, if people are looking at what languages, I suppose that's probably another takeaway. Let's, let's maybe talk about that for a sec. If people are going to come back and say, okay, so what should we be looking at? Um, you know, what, what should we be looking at if we want to look at other languages? Um, my recommendations these days, um, I mean, when we, when we as a team for the guys I work with um, started looking at stuff, we started saying, okay, what's, what's got at least 1% penetration across the board? Mm-hmm. Um, so we looked at we looked at the TOB index. We looked at what's what's happening on Stack Overflow. What's happening on GitHub? What, how many people are hanging out on IRC chat rooms on Freenode? And sort of use that as a as a as a world view. And I think that's you know unless you're unless you're very specifically going to say you know I want to do something a bit more niche. Or I'm really interested in functional programming, or I'm really looking at something very particular um, for a particular reason, like looking at closure and stuff like that. I think that's <coughs> that's that's probably the way to go that's my opinion anyway I think just because um, especially if it's your first secondary language you know so to speak I think that makes sense mm-hmm. um, so we ended we ended up personally I mean there's there's not net in there there's Java there's C++ I mean you look at the whole index um, you look at Ruby there's Python um, all that sort of stuff I think have a have a quick purview of what sort of sits in that space that you can find um, and see what what gels with you we ended up going with uh, Ruby and specifically JRuby actually because we like the JVM and um, and Ruby sort of spoke to us and what we wanted to do and how we want to do it. I think other people might come away and look at Python, um, but I think that's I think that's personally a good way of saying okay, what what are we going to do? Um, and I think that kind of comes down to I mean you're looking at .NET, Java, uh, if you're at web stuff, .NET, Java, PHP still up there. I know people up there do it. I have no opinion on that actually whatsoever. Whether or not I have no idea about. I actually have no idea what the technological in, technological innovations that the PHP has come under recently. Th- it might be awesome. I have no idea. I think, um, you know, you would be surprised. PHP is, you know, it's an old language, obviously, yeah. an old technology. A lot of people poo-poo it, but I don't want to do that. I don't, no, like, it, I just want to get away from poo-pooing other languages yeah. just because it's like, oh, it's PHP without, you know, saying, you know, this is why I don't like it. Yeah, so I think... You know, last time I looked at it was basically when I did some WordPress stuff for, you know, yeah. blogs or setting up basic CMS sites with it. And, it, you know, it, it's obviously a different syntax than what we are used to, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing. And when I read articles about, you know, what's happening in PHP as a platform and what's, you know, being yeah. released out there, it doesn't look like a bad language at all. You know, it has, like, object orientation. You can build modular systems. There are tons of frameworks out there. There are yeah. really big, it's a huge big and There's good no CMS systems. I mean, besides WordPress yeah. built on top of that. One I recently looked at is um, Silverstripe, which is a really, really nice content management system, basically, and it runs yeah. on top of C- uh, on top of PHP. So, yeah, and this, and this comes back to what we're talking about. If there's enough people doing it, is there's stuff there to, to, that's of value. No. So we shouldn't we shouldn't be putting it down, and so like that's an option. You know, I I think Python and Ruby both look really good. Um, obviously, you know, JS it, it, it involves like it, it's worth investigating if it's just to say okay, what's what's out there? There's a lot of cool stuff going into Node.js. Um, I think it's hard to measure how many Node.js developers are out there, just because it gets filled in with the JavaScript camp. Um, but it's yeah, like that's that's the way I'd take it. I mean, that's why we did take it. Um, we ended up doing Ruby, but that was that was what gelled for us. Um, 
what do you think? In terms of languages, yeah, um, if people are like, what what language should I go look at? What what other you know stuff should I go look at? I think Python is definitely a good candidate. Um, I mean, obviously Ruby and Rails are good candidates as well, at least you know for the short term because we're we're, well, we're doing Ruby and Sinatra. I mean, that's that's what we're doing because okay. our, our front ends are REST services at the moment anyway. So I mean, it's nothing special. Yeah. There's there's definitely multiple. There's more Ruby frameworks out there for sure. Um, rather than just Rails, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I agree on that. If too. people There's are a lot ha- of Rails work out there too. If people are happy to stay away from the mainstream, you know, I would definitely recommend stuff like Clojure or Scala or Haskell. Looking into those languages, if you want to do mainstream, I mean, Java and .NET are good candidates for that. I hear a lot of really good things about .NET these days, actually. Really .NET is. Uh, I've recently done some .NET stuff with, um, you know, building Windows eight apps for tablets. Oh, it's not really .NET, but it's, you know, being in that Microsoft ecosystem. And Visual Studio is a really nice IDE. The the platform is really well thought through. Um, Mm. You can, for example, build Windows 8 apps in HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. Yeah. And, you know, that is a really nice metaphor to build pretty much native apps that run on tablets and run on Windows 8 machines, on Intel machines as well. So they've put a lot of thought into that. I think, you know, .NET might... Um, have a really interesting future from that win- whole Windows 8 thing going on currently. Yep. The The thing with .NET, though, is, from my experience, there are obviously lots of people doing that, right? And lots of people are doing really doing .NET in a really shitty way. Uh, okay. You know, you have, like, developers or companies who force their developers to do, you know, WinForms development with some crazy post-back forms that provide really bad code and bad usability and bad everything. You know, like like you would have done development in the late 90s, basically, with .NET back then. And that type of stuff is tricky, basically, because it always leaves a bad reputation on yeah. technologies. I mean, yeah, Confusion no, has to deal yeah. with Same a similar thing. thing, right? Yeah. But if you do, I would I would say if you do modern .NET, like you know you've started doing that in the last two three years, and you use modern versions of the framework and like proper MVC and you know do yeah. all the things you should do, .NET is actually a really good technology nowadays. I would totally agree with that, mm. um, and I think it's actually more and easier to approach than Java is nowadays. That's my personal oh, opinion. Okay. I think I it's much easier to get in. I think it's much easier to get into .NET than it is to get into Java. Microsoft is, I've, I've generally found Microsoft tends to do pretty good development tools. Yes. This is, this is, this is coming from someone, I mean, I'm, I would never do it because I'm, I'm a Linux fanboy now and that's just the way I am. Um, and I, I don't want to get caught into that ecosystem. But there's, like, like, I've said, like I've said a million times before, there's a lot of people doing it. There's got to be something there. Yeah, I would agree. And the, uh, you know, like, like you said, the... Um, the development ecosystem Microsoft provides and helps to to nurture is actually quite well thought through. You know, they have lots of free training material, tutorials, um, blogs driven by Microsoft employees, you know, who actually blog really good yeah. and deep technical stuff. Uh, you, you know, there are tons of books out there. There are really active user groups. That's one big thing. You know, the mm. .NET user group here in Wellington, sometimes they meet weekly. Because they've got so much stuff. Yeah. And that's just crazy, you know, like, it's just nuts, basically. Um, So that's quite interesting. Uh, I think besides that, also, what people should be aware of, that more and more development actually happens in the client side nowadays. 
that's always an yeah and yeah that's an interesting thing to think of too right because if you are a web developer and you know you are used to building the whole thing with html templates and then scripting those templates you know how you've done it for yep. the last 15 years that is kind of going away more and more as well right because people build apps where a lot of the business logic is actually in the client yeah and yeah. i think there's a lot of room for people doing client-side application development with, with javascript or coffee script or whatever you know yeah and, and then start and put, looking at like you know angular or ember or backbone or yeah exactly yeah. knockout and backbone and all those frameworks yeah. to build applications in the client that essentially just end up consuming rest services or any other web services further down mm. the track right yeah and that's another paradigm shift that no people, i agree with that completely that's people a very need good point. to be aware of yeah you don't you don't need so much on the back end, you know, you start looking at Rails and maybe like the full structure of Rails or full structure of CFMO is no longer is required because all you have is just REST web, rest web services and everything yeah. else is on the front end. And that changes the way your whole app works, you know. Yeah, for sure. I agree completely. That's a good point. Okay. So, yeah. No, that's fair enough. Okay. Now we maybe actually can wrap up. Okay. Let's wrap up. Let's wrap up now. And after 72 minutes, it's one of the longest <laughs> right. ones we've done for a long time, actually. Got a lot to say. It's very important stuff. Yeah, right. I agree. So finally, uh, yeah, I guess if, if if people want to reach you, Kai, and um, they the easiest way to get hold of me is as always Twitter, um, Agent K, or people can ping me an email to Kai at Ventigo hyphen Creative Coinz, or you know leave a blog post on my blog, or leave a blog com- uh, uh, leave a comment on my blog, or leave a comment on the TDDU blog if you like or don't like what we said. That's you know up to you. <laughs> yep. Um, and yeah, if you want to reach me, I'm Neurotic on Twitter. You can see my blog at compoundtheory.com. Um, please do leave comments on our website, 2ddu.com. Uh, please keep it civil. We're all adults here. Um, I'm sure everyone can do that. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much me done. Cool. Thanks a lot, Mark. It was a pleasure to talk to you this morning. Pleasure to talk to you as well. You are going off to some training now? Nah, got work. Oh, work okay. Cool, yeah, me too. I'm doing, going to do some payable work now. Ooh, exciting. Sweet. Alrighty, All right. cool. Thank you. Talk to you soon all. See ya. Bye-bye.